Welcome to the Trend Detection Podcast, powered by Sensei, an industry leader in using AI to drive scalable and sustainable asset performance and reliability. For this two-part series, I'm joined by Jim Davison and Fahim Khan from Make UK. In the first episode of this series, we look at some of the key trends that are going to affect manufacturing in 2022 and discuss the results of Make UK's annual executive survey. I hope you enjoy it. So maybe, Fahim, you could start by explaining um, this this report, what, what it's involved, who you spoke to, um, and the sources yeah. of data, that kind of thing. So the report is known as, it's called the Executive Survey. It's an annual publication that we produce at Make UK, um, where we um, survey um, senior level professional professions um, at manufacturers across the membership, mainly it would be the CEOs and the MDs. And it's, it's essentially um, looking at the, the opportunities and the risks and what their businesses plan to do over the coming year ahead. Um, we, are, we are looking to publish that in early January. So we always publish that, that report in January and, and we try to get a sense of like, you know, what are the main issues, what are the challenges, but actually what are manufacturers doing, going to be doing about those challenges. Um, one of the statements we ask in that survey is, you know, do you think um, the opportunities will outweigh those risks in 2022? Just get a kind of an overview census of actually how manufacturers feel in terms of their confidence. Um, interestingly, we got about 70% of manufacturers from that survey who said that they do feel that the opportunities in 2022 outweigh the risks of 2022. So that is outstandingly high. And it shows that how, despite all the challenges um, that we, we've already mentioned from 2021 and before then, despite all those issues that manufacturers are facing, they're very, very optimistic and forward thinking about actually how the rest of the year is gonna go um, for next year. So that's, that's really good to see. In terms of the opportunities area, what we see is manufacturers are looking to invest a lot more in upskilling staff. So that sort of relates to what we mentioned on the green skills area, that actually the priority is to focus on skills. Skills has been identified as a major issue this year, not just a shortage of labor, but the access of skills has been a huge issue. And it seems that manufacturers are keen to address that themselves by in investing in their people as much as possible. 60% um, of manufacturers or just 59% specifically said that they will be developing new products. So we're looking, we're looking to see an actually a, for, uh, a focus on innovation again. Manufacturers are very innovative in R&D intensive industry. Um, and actually, very interestingly, about half of manufacturers said that they would be investing in green technologies and energy efficiency. So again, we're seeing this um, the priority of sustainability and green are actually rising up the agenda when in historically you wouldn't have seen that in the top 10, um, but actually now you're seeing it in the top three or top four opportunities that manufacturers are thinking about at the start of the year. If I had to break down the 2022 into three goals based on this survey, it would be number one is going green, number two would be securing skills, and number three would be building a more um, agile and adaptable industry or supply chain. So actually being able to respond to changes much faster because what we've seen over the last two years is that you can't predict any of these crises that we keep coming up against. Even something as Brexit, which is what we planned since 2016 has created many, many issues along the road. Um, and so manufacturing has historically been very fixed in what it does, but now it's looking to become more adaptable to uh, crises that may show up of nowhere so they're more easily able to weather the storm and then on the other side of that is what we looked at what were the risks um, 
it was a long list of issues that we suggested to them. It was about 30 different risks because we knew that there were many, many issues. But what we found in terms of the main things that topped, again, skills was the top issue highlighted. But interestingly, it was skills in the domestic market, is skills in the UK that manufacturers are worried about not having access to, um, which indicates why they're investing in upskilling. Um, and second to that was actually input costs. We talked a little bit about this already, but actually the biggest challenge that manufacturers are worried about right now is rising costs from the materials that they're paying for. Jim mentioned the 400% rise in some materials. It's that type of magnitude that we're concerned about and that's what manufacturers are worried about. Um, and in general, what the risks tell us is manufacturers are generally just worried about the increasing cost of running a business. Um, it's becoming more expensive to stay open and that's what they're worried about. And what we're hoping to see is going there's going to be an increase in investment and they're going and but even if you increase investment, that increases your costs in the short term much further. And it may be a while, many maybe many years before you actually see a return to that. What are manufacturers going to be doing about those risks? At the moment, what they say is that their emphasis or their priorities will be on trying to control those costs. It'll be trying to recruit skills where they can. And they're also doing things like adopting additional measures like cyber protection, um, because that's become a, a bigger issue as well in manufacturing as it becomes more digitalized. Um, so that's, it's going to be an interesting report. Um, I think it, the, the positive side of that story will more outweigh the, the negative side of those stories but it does highlight there's just some, a couple of things that we need to watch out for. Skills is a issue that's been in the industry for a very, very long time now, but input costs is something that actually manufacturers haven't had to deal with at this level for quite a while. So some of the, some of the issues they're facing are actually a little bit new um, to them. Yeah so, yeah, so there's a couple, that was a, a lot of really good themes in there that I think I'd like to sort of explore further. So um, I could be understand about, you know, about generating the, the talent to, I mean, what I'm thinking is, how hard is it? Still difficult to attract talent to manufacturing. Is that is that still a a big, a big hurdle for manufacturers at the moment? Well, it's 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 very interesting. Um, and Jim, you might have something to add on this, add on to that idea as well. But we we actually asked one specific question about the I guess the anxiety about people leaving the industry, um, or even not just attracting talent, but actually current talent leaving the industry. And about 87% of manufacturers said that they were worried about people leaving the manufacturing industry for another industry or, or, or on other types of jobs. Um, I think manufacturing has its, it, it has its tools that make it very attractive. It's a high wage industry. It pays very, very well um, in terms of like uh, the average salary is about 34,000 pounds in the UK. I mean, in London, that's not a high salary, but in the rest of the UK, that's actually very, very good. And many, many other industries don't compete at the level at manufacturing jobs do. Um, I think there is maybe perhaps a marketing issue. Um, so we talked a little bit about flexible working earlier on. Actually, manufacturing traditionally is a very flexible industry already. Most of the, the type of work that people do tends to be on shift patterns. I mean, it's not easy to give them the four, give people the four days a week type of scenario, but it is more flexible than people often realize. And I think it's just more about putting that out there. Actually manufacturing is very much pro flexible working. It's just, it's not marketed in that way. Um, I think that, that, that we are thinking about some issues right now in terms of the perceptions of manufacturing. Um, I think there is historically a, a view that it's like this old uh, kind of 
dirty industry, but actually, you know, what we'd like to do is try to emphasize the, the, the technological aspects of the sector. It's hugely digitalized, it's modern, um, it's going to be the sector that's probably going to deliver on the issues around climate change because all the innovation comes from there. Um, so there are challenges when it comes to attracting staff and talent. But I think that's also down to the supply of talent also being low because we're not really targeting people maybe from a younger age as well as we should be. So actually, that's what I would you, say. Yeah, so actually with that challenge of actually attracting you, and you did refer to it, Faheen, is actually retaining talent becomes more important. So maybe, Jim, you could explain you know, how, how manufacturers might go, go about doing that. What do they need to do to, in order to put that in place? Yeah, the, the availability of skills and uh, you know the, the challenges that manufacturers face. You know there is a there is a decades old demographic challenge. Um, so in lots of factories I go to see, you'll see guys like me with grey hair uh, and edging towards retirement. And then what you see is a, a, a gulf, and then suddenly very young faces. And what I mean by that is it, it so obviously demonstrates you know, the investment in, in new talent. So um, you know, young apprentices and graduate engineers that are starting their manufacturing and engineering careers. But it, it just so obviously shows those decades where as, a, as an industry, we underinvested in, in that next generation. Um, so retaining people often once people get into their careers within manufacturing engineering businesses they stay so they can, they can be long, long-term employees um, so one of the challenges is to make sure that you can invest in your current workforce to make sure that they are fit and able and have the skills for the future opportunities that we've spoken a bit about already um, but the fundamental challenge right now is there are not enough people um, you know that, that are available to work fundamentally um, and actually, it's the availability of people in addition to having the right skills. Um, so I think opportunities and strategies need to include reskilling re people from other industries um, that, for example, like um, high street retail. You know, they, that, those kind of industries have been massively impacted by COVID. Potentially, it will not potentially, they have fundamentally been impacted far more than, than other, uh, other types of of uh, industry hospitality clearly has challenges as well um, and yeah the reality is making sure that those people um, you know we can reskill them we can retrain them we can um, articulate the fantastic careers that they can can have uh, within engineering and manufacturing um, so this is a this is a, a long-standing very complex issue um, but actually the, the positive part of me thinks actually with the future, you know, it does look green. It does look exciting. It does look digital and combining that with, with, a, with, um, you know, a, a fundamental manufacturing and engineering, engineering career will mean that uh, as a sector, we can, we can um, attract the brightest talent from every kind of cross section of, of society within the UK. We've just got to rebalance the fact that historically for, for, you know, the last 20, 30, 40 years, we've seen manufacturing decline. So actually what you've seen is people displaced from factories that closed into other manufacturing operations, which meant that you didn't necessarily have to train, um, you know, the next generation of workforce. But that, that situation disappeared sort of 15 years ago. Uh, and the reality is actually now we're really seeing the, uh, the impact of that under investment. Um, and then perception wise, you know, lots of people don't think 
the UK manufactures anymore. And speaking very parochially about the South and the uh, and London part of, of, of the UK, we definitely don't make anything. And that's wrong and wrong. Um, the reality is there are really exciting, dynamic companies that are developing the sort of electric, clean drivetrains for future transport systems, hydrogen um, fuel capabilities, both distribution, but also the... Uh, you know, the, the, um, the items that go into the cars, so things like heat exchanges and, 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 uh, and, and other components, you know, they, they are being designed and manufactured right now uh, in the UK, which is, is really exciting. You know, we've just got to make sure that we, we, we um, clearly articulate that message, uh, encourage um, the, the young people that are starting their careers to inspire their peers um, because it's all very well for somebody like me talking about how great manufacturing is. Um, the reality is what will sell it to a young person is somebody who looks like them, you know, um, was at school with them the year before and can say, wow, you know, I've just started my uh, exciting career and I'm learning about, you know, green skills. I'm, I'm, I'm learning about digital capabilities and we're making amazing products uh, in the factory that I, I'm now a part of. So, it's definitely work in progress. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but I think there's some great opportunities is what I'm trying to say. I think what well, you also said, it's interesting you said an untapped market and actually what falls into that, and I'd be interested to hear sort of if you've got any stats around that, but sort of women in manufacturing as well. So I'm sure, well, there's clearly a lot of talented women who could do you know great things within manufacturing. And my perception from the outside would be that there's probably not a, a huge percentage of women work in manufacturing, but I'm happy to be corrected on that. But if if that isn't the case, how how do you go about, I guess, attracting women into into what's traditionally seen perceived as a, a male dominated environment? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I, I'll just like start off with a couple of the stats that we have, um, and maybe Jim can like actually talk about some of the members. But uh, I mean, we, we did a study uh, on, on kind of equality, diversity and inclusion last year um, to kind of get a sense check of what the breakdown of di- um, diversity was in the manufacturing workforce right now. Um, it, and, and what we found from specifically from the female male ratio is about 29% of the manufacturing workforce is currently female um, and about 18% of the kind of senior board member level is female um, in the manufacturing industry. So not as high as maybe we would have liked to have been um, at the moment. If you compare that to official statistics, so that was based on the 29% is based on our own surveys, but official statistics puts that figure at 27%. Um, so we're pretty close with what we do in our own research. And compared to compared that 27%, which is a 2020 figure to 2010, that figure was about 24%. Um, so in terms of the actual how much it's improved in just in the decade, it's perhaps not the, the level that we would have liked to have seen. But that's also down to the labor shortage issue. I think, um, you know, in terms of there's plenty of female apprentices coming through um, the manufacture into the manufacturing workforce. I think we have like an award ceremony and usually a, a female apprentice. I think, Jim, you can correct me if I'm wrong that from what I can see, wins almost every single year um, in terms of the best apprentice that, 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 that best apprentices that are coming through. But I would also kind of caveat this issue of the representation. I mean, 
at the moment there is a labor shortage and, and manufacturers can't be too picky uh, when it comes to um, hiring. I mean, you could argue that maybe the solution is to increase female participation and maybe we can improve that labor shortage supply. But at the moment, what I have found from discussions from members is that they often say that they don't get applications from females. They would love to hire a female if they find somebody with the right skills. Um, maybe it's just down to the way that manufacturers advertise the jobs uh, because females uh, female employees tend to look for different characteristics in jobs. They might uh, be more looking for flexible working more so than male uh, employees are. And it's just about attracting those. I mean, it's, it's a solution, but I think it's something that we need to, the industry definitely needs to work on. Um, but but it's perhaps 29% is perhaps not as bad as people might think it is. I think most people would guess it'd be less than 10% and uh, it's not as bad as that. No, no, you're right. And that is actually... Yeah, it's high, higher than I thought. And you're, again, you're right to say that it's not as simple as, you know, we're just going to go out there and hire more women. They have to have the demand for that as well. So I completely appreciate that. I mean, Jim, is there anything you can add from a sort of a member's perspective? Yeah, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I think um, I think attracting, uh, you know, women to roles within manufacturing is really important. Um, Fahim's already mentioned our, uh, our yearly um, uh, awards ceremonies and the fact that yeah, spot on. You know, some of the most exciting um, apprentices and the most dynamic apprentices are are young women, and uh, those aren't just back office uh, roles that they're being trained for. These are engineering type apprentices as well. So you know, those are our future role models. They're the people that can sell an apprenticeship, an engineering apprenticeship, or a manufacturing apprenticeship to uh, to their peers. Um, uh, and we need to just showcase more and more of those young people. I, th I think that um, this is one area where potentially the um, pandemic and the change in organisations' approach to how much time roles need to be, you know, in the in the office, in in the factory, uh, has changed. I think the flexibility that that therefore offers. Um, you know, women and, uh, and other minorities within society, um, roles within manufacturing, I think is something that, that is an opportunity. And actually there is a lot of work to do, but, but actually it unlocks um, careers within our sector for people that probably didn't, didn't think that uh, that would be possible. Um, I think that, you know, of that 29%, probably a lot of those are currently in back office functions, you know, in finance and, and not necessarily, you know, on the shop floor. However, having said that, uh, lots of organisations that you go into, assembly areas do tend to be quite heavily uh, populated with, with female employees. So I think we just got to get smarter at, at, at raising the profile of those opportunities, those roles. I think Fahim's point about um, how you, how you um, highlight the opportunities and the, the key elements of a role is key. You know, if I wrote a job description and a, an advert for a role, it would reflect kind of the things that I value. And I think that uh, the point for he made about well actually yeah you probably wouldn't be able to sell it to uh, you know a, a female um, so yeah I, I think there's some simple things that organisations can and and have started to do that can actually transform this um, and one great example is a company um, based in the east of England yeah they have a simple way that, that they are envied by many other employers because they have literally um, half of their apprentices apprentices every year are female and versus male and you know the question was well how, how on earth did you achieve that because lots of apprentice schemes 
have about 10 to 15 percent of, of females uh, on them. And, and the response was flippant, but actually really, really obvious. It was, well, the, the deal is when we go to speak to a school or you know an audience, we say, listen, the deal is for every girl that starts an apprenticeship, a, a boy, <laughs> a boy, there's a free place for a boy or a male. And um, yeah, it, it, it sounds silly, but the reality is they have transformed uh, the kind of profile and demographic of, of their apprentice um, apprentice op opportunities in schools. So, so yeah, there's some simple things that we can do as a sector to, to address that. And the reality is manufacturers want to access the best. Um, the reality is, um, you know, traditionally, um, as Fahim said, we've probably been targeted to a, a very small relative um, segment of society and, and yeah we can open that up because the uh, the kind of roles that that uh, that now exist within the sector are very different and we just need to showcase those yeah that no, sounds like really, really positive um look forward into next year and beyond So that was the first part of our series looking ahead at what's to come in manufacturing in 2022. Hope you enjoyed it. Despite the effects of the pandemic and Brexit, what is so great to hear is how positive manufacturers are feeling about the opportunities that lay in front of them in 2022, of which there are many, as Jim and Fahim mentioned. One big opportunity for manufacturers is encouraging more women into the industry. It was inspiring to hear Jim's example of a UK manufacturer who are already leading the way by ensuring half their apprentices every year are female. Please subscribe via your favourite podcast provider if you'd like to be notified about future episodes and let us know your feedback by leaving us a review. You can find out more about how Sensei can reduce unplanned downtime and contribute towards sustainability within your manufacturing plants by visiting Sensei.io. Thanks a lot for listening.